There we go. Good morning. It is good to be here. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. So I'm Mike, and I am here with my wife, Amanda. Um, we've got three little kids, and we were hoping to bring them, but they got some snotty noses, and so we left them with Grandma. Um, so you can just picture three cute little boys. Uh, Micah is seven, and Luke is four. He's excited. His birthday's coming up in July, and so he'll be five. And then Isaac, our little blessing, uh, just turned two back in March. And um, yeah, that's kind of us. We're, we're from Wasaga Beach. Um, and this is... Uh, this has been quite the journey for me to be standing here as a pastoral candidate. Um, I've never been a pastor, and uh, so I've taken a little bit different path to get to this point. And uh, kind of that's what, you know, when you do little kids, you're kind of, what are you going to be when you grow up? This wasn't on my list, you know, and uh, familiar with it, kind of grew up, uh, come from a missionary family. My grandfather, some of you this morning I met already said you knew Grandpa Jim, um, missionaries in West Africa, and so my dad grew up in the mission field. I spent about six and a half years of my childhood on, uh, in West Africa on the mission field, and uh, we came back when I was 12 and uh, up to Wasaga Beach, and my dad was pastor at the EMC church in Wasaga Beach up there, and, uh, and then him and mom moved up to Owen Sound, and I was just starting college and had my eye on a pretty girl, and so I just never left. And I stuck around, and we've been there ever since. And so I went to college for mechanical engineering technology and kind of went into that career field and, and uh, served at our church. My wife and I were the youth leaders there, the, prime, the main youth leaders for about seven years when we first got married and really enjoyed that time. And um, I joined as one of the elders about 11 years ago. So I've been serving in that way for the last 11 years or so. Um, and really, we're where God's call on me was about eight years ago, and that's when I really felt God's call um, on me. My heart's always been for the church, especially here in Canada, and um, kind of just sent me on a journey of searching. I went to Bible school at that time, Tyndale. I think there's an, an alum or two here. I went to Tyndale, and uh, so I went to Tyndale, Tyndale and got my bachelor's and uh, graduated about five, six years ago, something like that. And um, since then, it's really just been I've just seen how God's been preparing me up to this point. And so I had the opportunity in our church just to serve. Whenever the pastor was away, I get to preach and love that and uh, serve. I think I've taught every variation of Bible study and small group and kids club and <laughs> VBC and all that kind of stuff and loved every bit of it. And uh, getting to be some of that shepherding stuff as an elder over the last 11 years or so. And, um, and then in my job, too. Um, joined the management team a couple years ago and got some of uh, God's really grown me a lot in that as well. And just practical things like making a COVID policy, you know, like going through that. And so a lot of those things. And, and uh, last October-ish, we just, uh, Amanda and I both just felt that God was saying the times now and that he was calling us into it. And you're the only church I applied to. And uh, we've been kind of on that journey with your search committee and then your elders since then, and here I am today. So brings you up to speed on who I am, and um, I'm just excited to be here, excited to celebrate with you your anniversary service. And uh, we just had our anniversary back at, at Faith there in Wasaga um, just a couple weeks ago as well, beginning of May, I guess. And, um, 
and yeah, anniversaries are great. Anniversaries are a time, it's, it's that milestone event when you can look back on a significant event in your life. Obviously, wedding anniversaries is what we think of. We think of anniversaries. And it, it, you're looking back at the journey, right, of how you got to where you are today. And it's this yearly event, and you have this chance to look back. Amanda and I just celebrated 12 years. And uh, so we were sitting there at dinner, and, and even in our short, and some of you are going, 12 years, that's nothing. But in, in our short 12 years, um, even then, we're, we're looking at that, we're sitting there going, like, would we have ever imagined this is where we'd be 12 years ago when we first got married? And, and like, not even close, right? And I'm sure many of you can say the same. But that's the anniversary. You look at the journey that got you to where you are, and it's the good and the bad, right? And often some of the challenges that you've gone through um, have made you kind of what you are and where you are today. And so you can look back on the good and the bad and just reflect on, celebrate, really, where God has brought you to this point. And so that's kind of what I want to do with you this morning. This morning, though, our anniversary, we're in a bit of a, it's a bit of a unique one, isn't it? We've just come through the last two years of COVID, and so when you look back on challenging times, it's been a bit of a challenge, hasn't it? And so we look back, but anniversaries aren't just looking back and looking at where we've come, and we kind of feel like we're coming out of that. And it's also looking ahead to what does God have, a, have for us in the, in the years to come. And, and so we're at that point. And this year, we're looking back, and, and COVID has changed the world. How many times have you heard about the new normal, right? I mean, COVID has changed society, and I think it's changed the church. I think it's changed how, how we are to be the church, as my dad would say. Not do church, but be the church. How are we to be the church today? coming out of COVID, what does that look like? Um, and that's what I, uh, I want to talk about this morning. We think back to what is, is Amanda and I met with your search team and your elders and that, and we had conversations, and you've probably had conversations with other brothers and sisters from other churches and that as well. We hear a lot of the same things. We hear that, that all the isolation and, and the disconnectedness, that there's just a hunger and a desire to, to fellowship again, to be together. And I love that we're going to have a picnic after and that we can start to do some of those things again. And so there's just a hunger for that, for that fellowship. And so that's one. But also there's, just acknowledge there's been a lot of division, hasn't there? A lot of, a lot of hurt and a lot of anger. And it just seems like two sides in society getting further and further apart and more and more polarized. And I wish you could say it's not in the church. But many churches have experienced that in some way or another as well. And so there's a, there's a desire as we come out of it to, to unify again, to come together again as a community in love and unity. But it's not all bad. Um, we've had some good things that have come out of it. Some of... Some of you that I talked to had said that you had new opportunities to meet neighbors, you know, when we were so busy with life and all of a sudden everything got shut down, all of a sudden we had an opportunity to talk to people and make, build relationships that maybe we hadn't had the opportunity to do with those neighbors on either side of us. And so there's been some good. And then what about just who, who appreciated the break? Yeah. yeah. Like, some of us were just exhausted. And I don't just mean with all the extracurriculars, I mean with the church, with the, the things we're involved in. It's okay to say that. Like, you're just tired. And, and it almost felt like a bit of a relief um, just to have a bit of a break. And 
here we are at this, this new starting point. It's like a springtime start, and we're looking at, Lord, what do you want to do? And every church is looking at that. And this is, they're all asking the same question. How can we reach our communities? How can we carry on the mission that Jesus gave us now post-COVID? Um, one of the ways I like to kind of picture that is to think, um, like you go back to Acts, and it started with 120 people, it says in Acts 1. 120 people. How was it that that group of, of lower class, you know, fishermen, kind of nobodies, was able to turn the entire world upside down, it says. Turn the whole world upside down. And I just picture that, that uh, or maybe it's a picture for us, that just pretend that God just took the hundred and whatever of us there is, and they just dropped you right here, and they gifted you a building and a budget to get you started, and Jesus just said, now go and fulfill the mission that I gave you. What would we do? How would we go about that? Well, I was looking on your website, and you've got a good mission statement. Anybody, somebody shout out, what's, what's your mission statement? Yes, loving Jesus, serving others together. Yeah, and then I saw another one too, there's the mission and vision or values. So another one, our mission is his mission. Yeah, I thought you were looking somewhere, I was like, hey, did I miss it? But uh, yeah, our mission is his mission. Our mission is his mission. So what do, we, what do you mean by that? When you say his mission, his mission, what do you mean by his mission? And I didn't ask the elders or anybody beforehand, so I don't actually know. I mean, I have a guess, but what do you mean by his mission? Making disciples? Yeah. Anything else? His mission. What do we mean by that? It's our mission. We better know what it is. Loving one another. Yes, I thought of that too. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission, making disciples, of course, comes from the, uh, or sorry, the great commandment, and then making disciples from the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, Luke 24, Acts 1, go and make disciples. We talked about, we read from Acts 1-8 this morning. Anything else you think of when you think of his mission? That the world through him might be saved. Yes. Amen. So let's start there, why don't we? So if you've got the, your Bibles, that passage that Jason read, Ephesians chapter 3, and it's starting at verse 7. And I'm reading from ESV, but I think uh, anything, uh, whatever you got, so it'll be fine. Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. And it says, so this, this, just to give you some context here, the book of Ephesians was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And it was a church that he was really familiar with. He'd spent a couple years there at the birth of the church. You can go read that in Acts 19. And so it's, he, he knows these people when he's writing this letter. And he spends the first couple chapters, and there's some beautiful verses in there you'll recognize, you, like, by, by grace, you've been saved through faith. You know, all those verses, you'll recognize them. So, and then he gets up to here, and you can just hear his heart for these people that he's looking out and uh, he's thinking of as he's writing this letter. 
And so he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. Of this gospel, another word we need to define. What do we mean when we say this gospel? Anybody, what's the word gospel? What do we mean? Good news. Yes, that's the actual definition of the word gospel is good news. And it was actually, the church actually kind of stole it from the, from the Roman Empire because uh, back then, the Caesar, if his, you know, his armies conquered a new territory, they'd send out a gospel proclamation to say, hey, look at how great Caesar is. He conquered another territory. And the church kind of took that and said, you want, if you think that's good news, well, how about the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that's conquered sin and death forever? How's that for good news? And so they kind of took this word, and that became the gospel. And, and so when we talk about his mission, we mentioned all those things, the loving others, loving God, making disciples. We kind of, that's what goes into, when we read in Acts over and over, where it says that they, they preached the gospel. They went to this town preaching the gospel, and they left preaching the gospel. If you just search preach the gospel through Acts, you'll see like 10 references, right? So that's what we're kind of talking about. That's his mission. So Paul here, of course, he's on this mission that we're looking to be on. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so Paul, a minister, are we all ministers? We're all to be ministers of the gospel, right? Anybody else feel like they're the least among all the saints? Anybody? Yeah, you can resonate with that a little bit. So isn't it good to know that it's by his power working through us? And this is our heart. It is what we've talked about this morning on this, this day, reaching unreached people groups to, to preach the, the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. And that's all of us, unless someone here is, is Jewish background. I've never had anybody once be like, yeah, I am. One day, one of these days. But um, yeah, we're all Gentiles. We can all relate in, in this unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light, verses, verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And so this mystery, what he's talking about is that plan of salvation that was always the plan. One of the verses that just blows my mind is in First Peter where it says, before the foundations of the world... He knew that Jesus was going to be, right? That, that idea that just, that this mystery is that, that the, God had a plan to save us. I always say, if I was God, I wouldn't have made the world. Like, he made the world knowing he was going to have to come and die for us, and he still did it. That's incredible. And so that mystery that's been revealed now in Christ, the salvation that we're welcomed into his family, and that we can spend eternity with him, that mystery that we've proclaimed that. Isn't that a message worth sharing? Amen. Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith, through our faith in him. Through the church, and so we don't, not only do we look to do this on our own with our neighbors and the places that God has placed you, the friends and the workplaces and the family, but we do this as a church. God has put us together, put you together as a church body, a local church body, to reach this community where he's placed you. 
And I love how Paul just makes it so much bigger and grander than usually we think, you know, that, that this would be proclaimed to the authorities in the heavenly places. So sometimes I think we get a pretty small view of the gospel, but, but uh, God is looking to expand our vision. I love how missions-focused your church is, too, that uh, it's not just about our communities here, but seeing that gospel go to the ends of the earth. And so we have this mission to tell everyone the good news of Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for us. And we take on this mission with excitement because of the incredible grace God has given us. And so we want others to experience it. We want people to know the unsearchable riches of Christ and what life is like in relationship with Jesus. So that's our mission. And did that mission change with COVID? No. It's the same mission. It's been the same mission since, since Jesus ascended and gave it to the disciples in that great commission day. It hasn't changed. And throughout culture and time, that mission has stayed the same. So then the question comes, how do we do it? How do we carry out that mission? And that's where your, your vision statement, your values, um, loving Jesus serving others together. That's, that's what you want to be about as a church and how you carry out that mission that Jesus gave you. And so let's talk about those ones. What do you mean then by loving Jesus? What, is, what does that mean when you say that? How we treat others. We love Jesus by treating others with love. Yeah. We seek to know him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so unique to Christianity, seeking to know him. We're, we're the only religion that has a risen Savior, a God that wants to have a relationship with us. Realize that. Every other religion, they, they have their person that they believe in and believe that they said this or things to obey. We're the only ones. He, doesn't, he didn't just give us a bunch of rules to follow. You know, he wants to indwell us, have a relationship with us. And love is based on relationship. The goal of love is relationship. That's what it's founded on. Absolutely. And so it, it's founded on a loving relationship with Jesus. Anything else? Think of any verses when it comes to how are we to love Jesus? We obey him. If you love me, you will do what I command, Jesus told his disciples. That's right. And it's, it's reciprocal, isn't it? Our, our love for Jesus is because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And so this next section, as we read through here, you see this come through. As Paul, he, this is that prayer. And I want you to hear the emotion in Paul. As he's praying, he knows these people. He's thinking that he's eaten in their homes. He's talked to their kids. He's, he's, he knows them well, right? And when he, he's now far away, it's like this letter was likely, likely written from prison. And so he's sitting there in his prison cell, and this is his heart's cry. This is what he's praying for, for these dear people that he knows. For this reason, verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And that's just all Paul means by that is just basically that um, he's our creator. Here's our father. So if you think you as a parent got to name your kids, 
right? They're named after you. You take on your last name, and you have desires for them and, and goals. You love them. You want to see them. You're, in a sense, we created our kids, right? We know it all comes from God, but, but uh, that's the idea. Paul's just using that language to give you that picture of how we all, God's the father of us. Father of all, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's kind of the foundation, right? So there's the foundation of, of relationship with Jesus. That by his grace, and he comes and he indwells us, the Holy Spirit in us, Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That's, what, that's, that's the beginning. That's what gives us the foundation. That's what gives us the start to be able to have a relationship with him. And he carries on, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And and I just love that. Here's Paul and he's crying out his heart. This is God's heart. This is scripture. So this is God's heart for us too, right? And he's, he's, his, his heart cry is that you could just, if you could just even grasp just a little bit of how much Jesus loves you. You know what I mean? If it just, it's, so, it's so much greater, you can't even know it. It's beyond knowledge. But if you could even just grasp a little bit. You know, he didn't say his prayer isn't that they'd be super effective in their ministry or that their church would grow or that there'd be, you know. This is his heart's cry. Just if they could just grasp how much Jesus loves them. And it's not that those other things, I'm sure Paul desired for those other things as well, but he knows that this is the foundation. That everything we do as individuals, as Christians, as a church, has to come out of a love relationship with God. That's the foundation. Because the danger is, is that we can do all the Christian-y things without the love relationship. We can lose that part. And we can even start out doing those things because of our love for Jesus. And it can, and then lose it and keep doing the things. And it's actually what happened to the Ephesian church. This isn't the only letter that was written to the Ephesians. I'm just going to quickly jump over to Revelation chapter 2. This was a letter that Jesus himself wrote to the church in Ephesus. It's probably about, he, he threw the Apostle John, met with the Apostle John and said, this is a, the letter I want you to give to the church in Ephesus, probably about 30 years later. And this is what Jesus said about this church. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you can't bear with those who are evil, and have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you have at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And so that's the danger. So it starts, Paul is pouring out his heart. His desire is that we could grasp and understand how much Jesus loves us because then 
the right response is to love him back, and that's that loving relationship. And so for us today, coming out of COVID, looking to how do we be the church to the community around us, how do we be gospel people to our neighbors where God has placed us, it starts with a loving relationship. And so how's your love relationship with Jesus? Do you need to refocus on it? It's been a tough two years. Just spend time with him. Revelation said you need to repent and return to your first love, the things you did at first, it says. So we loving Jesus, serving others. And uh, I like how both the passage and your your mission vision statement there kind of go in that order because that serving others has to come after the loving Jesus. Otherwise, you can get off track pretty quick. So we have the foundation of loving Jesus and that the right response to a love relationship with Jesus and everything he's done for us is service, is serving others. And so we'll read down here a little bit further back in Ephesians, starting at chapter, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory through the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so there's that, that response. The, out of the love we have for Jesus, responding to his love for us, we, we walk in a manner worthy of that. That was, uh, that was a significant kind of milestone in my life, in my faith journey. And um, I just remember coming to this point. I mean, grew up in a Christian home and the PK and an MK and all those things and always loved the Lord, didn't rebel or go away or anything like that. But just came to that, this point as a young adult and going, if, if the basics of what I say I believe are really true, if, there's, if there really is, I remember I was standing out, I was pumping gas you know, on a four-lane road behind me, and I'm standing there, and I'm just watching people come into the gas station, and the cars go by, and I'm thinking every single one of those people has an eternity at stake. You know? If I really believe that Jesus is the only way, if I really believe that he offers that freely, you know, what should my life look like? How can I, just, just attending a church service for an hour and a half on a Sunday, you know, if that's, it just doesn't make sense if I really believe what I say I believe. My life, how does, what does it make, how does my life make sense? How do I live a life that makes sense in light of what I say I believe? And that's kind of what we're getting at here with this, this walk in a manner worthy And that's, that's the serving others. Serving others is a big part of that. We, Jesus gave us the example, gave his disciples the example on that same night before he was betrayed, washing their feet and saying, I've given you an example. Go and do likewise. <clears throat> but the danger is when it comes to serving others, and uh, if you look back at verse 20 there again, is um, according to the power at work within us. The danger is, is that we can start to serve others out of our own power. And when we do that, there's two things that can happen. 
Uh, one is, the first one is pride. You know, we start to do things. When you start to serve out of your own power, that's when you start to do it for yourself. And it becomes so-and-so's ministry. And it, uh, that's when competition comes up. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to fall into that. One of the checks for me is always, you start to get that feeling of, um, you know, someone else is trying to give input or something like that. And you're kind of like, no, I kind of want to do it my way. That right there has always been a red flag for me. It's like, hold on. This is, is there something that I'm starting to look at this like it's mine and not his? So pride. Pride is one danger when we forget that it's on his power that we operate out of his power. Pride, the other one, is burnout. We try and do it all on our own. There's just no way we can sustain. Ministry's hard, isn't it? Anybody found that? Ministry's hard, and we can't, we can't operate out of our own power. And so how do we guard ourselves? That's verse 21. And to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. We do that by always remembering we're doing it for him. It's his church. We're his people. We're, we, when we come to salvation, that gospel that we're proclaiming, this mission that we're on to proclaim the gospel, to make disciples, um, it's a surrender. You've given up your life. My, my favorite definition of the gospel is, actually it was on the kids' video, right? When Peter preaches that first sermon, and back in Acts, Acts 2, and, and, and he gets to the end of his sermon, and he says, that Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And that, to me, sums up kind of the gospel message. He's Lord. Lord means he's king of kings. Lord means you've surrendered your life. You've given up your life to him. It's full submission. That loving relationship is a loving relationship, but it's not your buddy or your pal. He's your Lord. He loves you more than you can imagine. But you fully surrender your life to him. He's both Lord, but he's also Christ. And that's the sacrifice. That's Messiah. You know, Christ the Messiah. It's the same word. One's Hebrew, one's Greek. And he's the Messiah. That's the salvation. He paid for your sin. And he, uh, to even give you the opportunity to reconcile that broken relationship and, uh, so that you can have a relationship with God. That's the gospel message. And we remember that that's, it's, it's all for him and to him and for his glory. And that's our guard that uh, we will rely on him in the ministries as we go forward and look to be the church that God wants you to be. Remember, it's always about him. And then the great news is we loving Jesus, serving others, but we don't have to do it alone. We do it together, together. And we're going to go on a little bit into chapter 4. And Because uh, remember, when Paul wrote this, it was all one letter. We put the chapters and verses in there to help us find stuff, right? But uh, this would have been one flowing heart from Paul. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. And as I've been thinking about and, and how do we be the church, what, is, what does church look like? How do we reach the world after COVID, post-COVID? I'm convinced that the key for the church, the Western church, 
is to be a loving, unified community. I'm convinced that is the key to us reaching the world. In a world that is growing so divided, so polarized, that the church would be, shines brighter in the darkness, right? That the church would would be this place where they walk into it would be like walking into an alternate reality where their minds would be blown. How can people love each other like this? You know? That it doesn't matter where they're from, what political party they associate with, whether they wear a mask or don't or vaccinate or not, where they stand on this issue or that. You know, that they, when they enter this place, that they are so loving, so unified, that it would just be the world wouldn't, it would hardly be able to comprehend how can there be a people like that. You know, that's how the church turned the world upside down in the, in the beginning, in, in the early church. When, when the, the Roman culture, they would just, it had gone to a point where they were, they just leave babies, unwanted babies, out in the elements to die, and the church would go around and pick them up and adopt them. They would, when there was sickness and plagues, they didn't have hospitals and all the medicines and stuff like that. And so those people would just be kicked out of the town to die. And the church was the one that went out to them and ministered to them. They didn't have social assistance and those things. And there was a church that cared for them. And, and it was so much the society couldn't comprehend who are these people that are willing to do that. And, it, and that's what ended up turning the world upside down. That was the gospel going out to a world that changed the world. And I think today, our opportunity is to show a community so love, so in love with one another in such unity. And I'm convinced of this because Jesus prayed for it. Did you know that? And I don't just mean for his disciples or someday. I mean he prayed for you, specifically. And this is from John chapter 17. This is, they call it the high priestly prayer. And this is Jesus on the night that he was arrested, and he's, they've had the, the Last Supper, and now he's, he's praying to the Father for his disciples, and he prays for his disciples. And then at verse 20, listen to this. See if you can... I'm going to read it. I, I can't wrap my head around this. It's one of those ones where you can kind of get it in your head, but I want to get it in my heart. I do not ask... For these only, these being the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, folks. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. The, the Jesus' prayer is that we would be so one as the Trinity is one. Like, I can't even wrap my head around that. It seems so far from possible. You know, and yet that's Jesus' prayer for us, specifically. That's us. 
That's his desire. And if, he, if he's praying for it, it's possible, isn't it? Amen. And then why? So that the world would know that God sent Jesus. So that the world would know the love God has for them. That's the, the, the we often think much more, you know, we have to do this thing and plan this out and structure that. And all that's good. You know, we need to do those things. But, but is it really that simple? <laughs> it's what Jesus said. You know? And so how do we be that kind of church? You want to flip back to, back to Ephesians. Well, as, a, as people, as a body, as a local church, we come, verse 2, chapter 4, verse 2, with all humility, with all humility. I want you to just picture people, if we, to be this kind of church and what this would look like to the world, with all humility, not a focus on my views, my freedom, my position, what's fair and not fair, right? But a humility, willing to listen <laughs> with gentleness. Ooh. In a world where the media feeds off of conflict, it sells advertising really, really well, you know? In a world of social media, when it's so easy to be, to just, send something, just a jab and a sarcasm and stuff back, you know? It's so easy to be gentle. What if we were just, in our response, it doesn't mean we don't say anything. We do, we stand for the truth that we believe. We still speak out, but we do it with gentleness and humility and with patience, bearing with one another in love, you know? I've heard one of the other difficult things with COVID has been the uh, statistics say about churches have lost about 30% of their members. Just gone, you know? And it's so easy just to say, I'm out, I'm walking away, you know? It takes work to be in relationship, doesn't it? Anybody who's married has been there. I, mine's been easy, just for the record. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it takes work. You know, relationships are hard. Forgiveness is hard. Reconciliation is hard. You have to be vulnerable, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we have, would we be patient, willing to listen, bearing with one, or in, uh, one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond, in pe- uh, in the bond of peace? Why? And then he goes into that great, there's one body, one Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Why? Because someday, every one of us who have that real, loving relationship with Jesus are going to stand before him. There's going to be no denominations. They're not going to divide you up by what political side you're on. Not by age or race, rich or poor, slave or free. You know, we're all going to be there before the throne, saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
And so I encourage you to um, make that a priority. I don't know how the last two years have been for you specifically. I can guess because all the churches are going through a lot of the same things. But um, if there's something you need to make right with someone here, make it a top priority. It's a top priority in Jesus' mind. It was his prayer that you'd be unified and you would love one another. And so before the picnic, you know, make that connection, make it right. Start that, that journey of reconciliation that you might be one, even as Jesus and the Father are one. And so we're going to end by praying that prayer over one another. I'm going to get you to stand in just a moment. It'll be on the screen. But just, as, just before then, just to uh, see here, verse 20 where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Do you want that for your church? Do you want God to do immeasurably more than you could even imagine? And one of the things that always shocks me about that is he's writing this to the church in Ephesus, and I think they could imagine a lot. The church in Ephesus was the church that even... Even Paul's dirty Kleenex was healing people, you know? I mean, they turned, that city got turned upside down. They had burning magic scrolls in the streets. I mean, there was a riot, like, started because it was their, the business of idol making was shutting down. They could imagine a lot. And yet here we are, Paul's desire is that God would do even immeasurably more than he could ask or imagine. I hope that's our desire here. And so stand with me, would you? And uh, let's read this together. (laughs) For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus forever and forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.